This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FE 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Kenny. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share the experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism, the alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and to admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is a physical aspect of the disease. After that, having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand never enough. And yet, because the obsession of the mind the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up that first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubt of whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they've become sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick feedback of who you are, age, how long you've been sober, occupation? Yeah, I'm Kenny. I'm an alcoholic. I'm 
68 years of age and I'm 45 years sober on January the 1st this year. Nice. And what do you do for a living? Uh, I run my own business doing lawns and gardens and I also make um, gourmet German-style nitro-free sausages. How was your childhood? You'd like to tell us about how what life was like growing up. Childhood to me was um, quite traumatic with a, a very violent mother and a placid dad and uh, there was lots of uh, violence used on myself and my dad and my sister. And was there drinking in the family? There was always alcohol available and uh, we were allowed to drink it whenever we wanted to. Mm. Uh, My first experience in alcohol was at eight years of age when I got totally drunk and I never had a hangover and I thought it was great. And don't tell us what the drinking did for you. Yeah, when I started drinking when I got up after about 13 or 14 um, the drinking took away all, all my consequences for my actions and, uh, and I n- never had a care in the world. I thought I was just, uh, just bulletproof. Yeah. And did you drink socially with friends? Or? Yeah, I drank socially with friends and uh, associates and, uh, and then later on as uh, I got a wee bit older, 17 years of age, I knew I had a problem with alcohol. And uh, there was something not quite right because my friends would go home and I would stay out. And then I started associating with people that were in and out of jail and uh, my alcoholism was taken over and I had several several attempts at stopping drinking but I could never stay stopped because I'd never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous by that time. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you felt it was a problem and then a time you tried to stop? Yeah, right at an early age of 17, um, I would try and stop, but uh, I couldn't stop. And uh, But then when I did, did have a short period of a couple of weeks, when I did drink again, I was doing the worst things that I'd never do ag- normally and they were happening quicker. And uh, from the age of 17 to 19, I managed to maintain the alcohol, but I always knew that there was something not quite right with me because who I associated with and the violence and the firearms I was putting out. What made you realise you needed help? Like, did you lose relationships or work, trouble with the law? Yeah. Um, My first court appearance was in 1972 for assault. Um, the jealousy thing over females. Um, And then in 1974, my dad in March was really crook and and he always kept me out of trouble because he was new the police and all that sort of stuff. But um, in March 1974, the last words my dad said to me uh, on a Tuesday... He said, I'll be home on Friday, son, and we'll, we'll help each other stop drinking. But uh, he never made it. He came home in a coffin. And that's when things really escalated. Yeah. Um, I was made the man of the house because my mum was just 40 and my dad was only just a month over 38. So, <clears throat> so things really escalated and I got in a lot of trouble with the law and I lost jobs all through fighting. And... Uh, by the time I was 20, 
I had no job and I owed my mother eight hundred dollars and I was on the charge of arson and uh and I had two girls pregnant, one college, one out of college, and I thought life was great. And I was driving around town with a sawn off shotgun and I thought life was good. Mm. Do you want to um describe like physical, mental, um, spiritual decline and your rock bottom? Yeah, so from the age of uh about 21, I, ma- I made a point that I didn't want to drink anymore because I knew that things were right out of hand and that all escalated with the alcohol. And, I- and I'd try and make a bargain that I didn't want to drink, but by five o'clock, I was on the piss till whenever. And by the time I was 23 and a half, I was married at the time with, with one child <clears throat> and... It was Christmas and I'd slip back with my mates in, in and out of jail and I was holding on to stolen goods and I started fighting back in the pubs and uh, two jokers come round to give me a hiding because I'd beaten their dad up and uh, that's when things I knew things weren't right and, and by the time I'd given them a hiding, they threatened to shoot me with a 3-0 on New Year's Eve so that New Year's Eve, I went out, and by three minutes to 12, I put the beer down and said, that's it, I'm not going to drink. Because I wanted to be, my, my insane thinking was, I wanted to be sober when these guys come around so I could take them out, even though they had firearms. And luckily for me, the guy never turned up. But that was the point where I stopped drinking and never started. And that's when I heard about Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, was suggested I go along there if I want to have a better life. And uh, getting back to the guy that was going to shoot me, I always thought he was gutless because he didn't turn up. But I'm really grateful to that guy because he saved my life, mm. you know, because he, he didn't turn up. So come along to AA and I still remember my first meeting you know, I praised everyone up and said, good on you, keep it up, keep up the good work. I didn't realise how sick I was. <laughs> yeah. Can you describe the first meeting, how people made you feel? Did you feel welcome? Um, and, um, yeah, did you yep. feel welcome? And- yeah, my first meeting I went in there and I knew I knew two or three of the people. I didn't know many of the older ones. But what I liked about the meetings was uh, – People were smiling and they were happy to be there. And and I was always trying to get that through the end of a bottle. But I found that the happiness in AA and, and I was never judged for what I've done. Mm. Do you want to tell us about how you've managed to say, stay sober, um, what you've done to ensure your sobriety? Yep. I, I went away to Queen Mary Hospital for the eight-week treatment and uh, they gave me the tools to... To, to to get sober, but the suggestion was that uh, I keep going to AA meetings and get myself a sponsor, and uh, so I did that, and um, and I I worked with other alcoholics, and uh, and the thing that with through doing work in AA is that working with others and seeing them get well that's the best part I I really enjoy, and plus it keeps me sober as well. Because it, yeah. yeah. Then tell us how you've dealt with challenges and sobriety when things have got tough. And yes, it's through through being sober, 
Um, you know, my first son that was born, he he passed away at 22, just in his sleep with no 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 um, health issues at all, and uh, and I remember that uh, that night I was at an AA members place for tea on a Friday, and then I went to a meeting that night, you know, to be, and they all knew, they all knew that, uh, but I mean, there's been, there's been, there was a divorce with three children and that sort of stuff and uh, got through that, you know, because the old members said to me, you can get sober without a job, without a wife or without a partner. And, and that doesn't matter what you do for a living, you, you just come to AA and you'll get sober. Yeah. Can you tell us about how services um, helped you in sobriety? Yeah, well, my, my uh, sponsor, he, he got me into doing service and 12-step work with him and then other members would take me along. Um, mainly early days they'd take me along because they were scared of what could happen and, and they were using me as a bit of a backup. But I'm grateful that they don't, <laughs> they don't do that anymore because I'm – because AA's changed all that thinking. Mm. Yeah, I've changed from alcoholic thinking to a sober thinking person. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to describe 12-stepping and your experience of that with other people? Yeah, the 12-stepping is um, you go to a person's place that uh, ha- is having a few issues with because a family member's called and you go there and and uh, you introduce yourself and and start talking a wee bit about yourself and then you be quiet and let them start talking once they get a bit of confidence about the alcohol and how it's affected them. And then you might suggest, uh, would you like to come to a meeting? And always leave them with a meetings list. And uh, the best way, to, best way to help somebody is actually take them through the doors and spend time with them and, and don't give up. Thank you. How would you describe yourself in your life today? How do you feel within yourself and like changes in terms of spiritual, mental, self-esteem and that? Yeah, well, along the journey of recovery, you know, I was 10 years sober roughly and lost my marriage with my three children. And uh, and then later on, I got remarried in 1996. And then that that's still current today. Which is which is a miracle, you know, and uh, and also the spiritual side of the program, you know, if pe- people say you, you know people say um, if you don't be good you go to hell, but most alcoholics have have, have lived in hell, so there's 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 no such thing as hell because we've lived it, and the spiritual side of life is is re- just a blessing, you know, to to hand my life over to to God as I understand him and leave it there and then ask for his guidance each day and do God's will each day, whatever that will is. Mm. Can you describe like uh, how your life has changed, like relationships, employment, um, opportunities, um, family? Yeah, well, um, in recovery, I always wanted to be uh, like a butchery manager because that, that's my trade and I uh, managed to achieve that in in the 2000s. I was manager of a supermarket, butchery side, and then second in charge of a pack and save, and then manager of another supermarket. And uh, I got to the age of 57 and decided to start my own business. And uh, my wife 
said, you know, she's an accountant and she said, uh, don't you think you're taking on too much? You're giving up a salary position and free petrol and a bonus and uh, starting with four clients. And uh, my answer was uh, two words, start with, with C, communication and consideration, you know, because that's what AA has given me. It's given me that uh, that kindness to, doesn't matter what people are, just to reach out and do a good job for people and and have a bit of fun in life because that's what it's all about, you know. Um, AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does spirituality mean to you? Well, this is quite a, what I used to think spirituality was, that uh, the, the difference between spirituality and religion is spirituality is, is for a, a person that's been to hell and religion is for a person that's scared of going there. That was my th- thought early recovery, but but it's all changed, you know. The spiritual side of things, to me, uh, it's it's not spiritual. It's just to me, it's God. God's doing for me what I could never do myself, because everything I did in my life, I, I stuffed it up completely. And you know, one of the old timers who I look up, always looked up to, you know, he said, if you make a decision about your life or anything, it'll be the wrong decision and it will get you in the shit. It's got to be a God's decision. Nice. What would you suggest for any listeners who uh, feel they may have a drinking problem? Anyone out there that's uh, listening to to our show today is um, if you think you've got a drinking problem, my suggestion is that uh, you come along to, to an AA meeting with an open mind and uh, not just go to one meeting and judge AA on one meeting, come to three or four and uh, stick around afterwards and have a yarn to a few people and, and, uh, and get, to know, get to know us and, and, uh, and you may realise that uh, you do have a problem and we can help you. And what questions could someone ask themselves to establish whether they've got a problem? The answer to that one is... Uh, it's not how much you actually drink, it's what trouble you get into when you do drink. Because what I learned early days is you don't have to be a heavy drinker, it can be the, the chaos that it's causing and causing all your other family members and relations and employers. So, you know, it's, it's an, I can't tell anyone they're an alcoholic, it's something that uh, you have to make up the own, de- own decision and own mind. Cool. Hey, with 45 years sobriety, Kenny, what's the number one thing that's kept you sober? The number one thing is that uh, I didn't want to fall back and pick up that first drink. And uh, and what I've, I've achieved in sobriety is that peace of, peace of mind and that tranquility. And, uh, and, you know, and a lot of people say, why do you keep going to AA? Because, mm. because um, you've got all those years up and... Uh, and I say to them, the first thing that stuck out at me when I went to my first meeting was the wee word, the slogan called hope. And and that is, I hope there'll be someone there for someone else someday. That, and that's why I keep going. But I keep going because I enjoy what I've got in this life. Because life, I wouldn't have been alive today. I would have been either rotten in a jail or, or someone would have shot me. I know that for a fact. So... 
Alcoholics Anonymous has, has not only saved my life, but it's given me this quality of life, and that's what I want to hang on to. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, Kenny. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story with us. Thank you. For our listeners, if you have related to anything that you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 16 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant grant me serenity serenity to accept accept the things things I cannot cannot change, courage to change the things things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 